and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Kroll, and this is episode number 31 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's podcast episode, we are going to do something different and incredibly special because I had the opportunity to chat with an actual Imagineer for the Walt Disney Company. His name is Guy Spagnoli, who some of you out there might have seen on Instagram and probably even know for things beyond that, but he is someone who had the opportunity to work as an engineer for the Walt Disney Company and has so much knowledge and insight into what it takes to work for the Walt Disney Company as an Imagineer, as an engineer, or even just simply as a cast member. He truly exudes Disney magic and really hones in that spirit of what it means to be a cast member for the Walt Disney Company. And thankfully, he was so generous in giving of his time to be able to speak with me and give all of you out there a little bit more of an idea of what it's like to work for Disney and what it takes to become an Imagineer, especially if you're out there, if you're listening, if you've one day dreamed of becoming an Imagineer, especially if you're still young in middle school, high school, perhaps even in college, or honestly, even if you're an adult looking to switch careers, Guy has some incredible stories to share and so much knowledge and such an, a unique history that I think will inspire all of you who are out there hoping of one day working for the Walt Disney Company to know that if you can dream it, you really can do it and make this dream a reality. So in today's episode, we're going to chat with Guy, learn a little bit more about his Disney history. I'm really excited to share some stories with you that he has shared with me about how he still exudes that cast member spirit even beyond working for Disney these days. And I think, again, that all of you are really going to be inspired from what you hear and including all the stories that Guy has to share and the advice that he's going to leave you. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer podcast with Imagineer Guy Spagnoli. One of the things I've always wanted to do on this show, since it is dedicated to Imagineering, and that was sort of the spirit behind even creating this podcast, was to get the chance to speak with and interview an Imagineer. And I know a lot of you listening have really asked for me to try to learn a little bit more about Imagineering and what it takes to become an Imagineer. So rather than try to figure that out myself, I thought it would, of course, be better to bring on an actual uh, Imagineer. And so I have with me uh, Guy Spagnoli, who was an Imagineer uh, back in the day, starting in 1994. Um, And I just brought him onto the show to talk to us a little bit about what it's like to be an Imagineer and maybe give some advice to those of you who are looking to become Imagineers in the future. So welcome to the show, Guy. Thanks so much for coming on with us. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, and I know that you're, uh, we talked about this a little bit before, but you're in Chicago and much like New York, it's now October and getting a little bit colder. So do you, uh, miss that Florida heat at all? I miss it every day. Even I, I live for sun. Well, you can see, I'll turn it around. I'm in my sunroom that I had just built a house two years ago. 
and this is my Florida room. Wow. In Illinois. That's so cool. I love that you have a little piece of Florida still with you, uh, even in the Midwest. So that's great. I thought probably, that, you know, I, I, I know I sent you some questions ahead of time, and I definitely have a lot that's on my mind and things that a lot of the listeners out there have sent into me as far as questions are concerned. But to kind of get the ball rolling, I thought it would make sense to just learn a little bit more about your background, sort of what led you to become an Imagineer um, and what you ultimately ended up doing as an Imagineer for the Walt Disney Company. Um, well, let's get it straight first, too. I was an engineer for Imagineering. I Perfect. would repair. I was. I would repair. I was never classified as an Imagineer, but I was right there in their Taj Mahal, yeah. which was the Saratoga, Saratoga Springs Resort. Can you see my background as I'm walking? I can. Okay. Um, oh, wow. I see the pictures with Walt and Mickey. These are all autographed, so. That's so cool. But I'll just keep walking and talking to <laughs> you background instead of boring somebody just you know, but um i love it it, it to to put it straight it, it takes a lot of persistence i was called a very persistent cast member before i was even hired and then getting a phone interview from uh, bob walters um which made my day back then and it still has because I had dreamt of working for Disney. When um, I was drafted, I went to Disneyland in 67, which was five months after Walt had died. Which oh, yeah. Was it. Um, it was, I had asked, I was on the uh, small world ride, not the it's miniature boat ride, and um, I just where can I become a cast member? And I was already drafted and ready to go. And he says, the girl says, you have to, cast member says, you need to have an education. I says, okay. And she says, where are you going now? I says, military. And she says, I'll see you when you get back. But it took many years. Right. Because you, to get hired, this is where the lead in is, to get hired by Disney, you need an education. And it's not given. Uh, you need to go to college and you need to be a recognized college, not just a, I don't want to put names out there, but ones that are by mail order. People say, well, we're going to get, we're going to give you a degree. Well, no, you got to be by a state owned college so that there's reference and records. Um, and it's a lot of persistence and hard work. Um, I started out with many, many jobs and leaving jobs not due to my fault, but they just ended or the companies folded. The only company that's still going is Disney World that I work for. Um, you need to have imagination. You have to have drive and it, it takes teamwork. You don't go there and work for Disney as I am and I'm going to be or I want this is no, it's teamwork. It's straight across the board. If there's a question you can't answer, you get another cast member. If there's something that you need, you get another cast member for help. 
it's all teamwork. It's not, I am the only one. But uh, it, it's a lot of persistence and knowledge, and uh, it can be attained. And you have to be good and have, they have to be great. You, you got, not, not stepping myself up, but you got to be knowledgeable in what they need. That makes sense. And it's, you know, it makes sense that you're talking even about, you know, at Disney, it is all about teamwork. Um, I don't know, at Disney, they even call it partnership. That there's, even when I was working there in the parks, it was all about teamwork. So I love that, you know, you mentioned that, that it is, you know, you have to be great, but you also have to be great on a team as well. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm glad also to hear that you, you had this background and, and love for Disney when you were, uh, when you first went to Disneyland, did you know about Imagineering? Was that sort of your end goal or were you just looking for any type of job at Disney? No, I went, I was hired as an, in, in, as an engineer, engineer I right. was hired in engineering and, um, it was the people or kids, as I call them, when I was in, I just graduated from Columbia in, in 14 from cinematography, and they called me Pops, so I called them kids, and they said, that's quite all right, because they're a lot younger than I am, many, many years. And even yourself, um, you have college interns, and I don't know, you, did you do your internship, or did you just go? Yeah, I uh, I did the the Disney College program and uh, professional internship. Right. Okay. Now that is sometimes good because you can go to a summer internship and all you're going to do is be in on a food service line, so or uh, serving the guests uh, sodas, hamburgers, cleaning, sweeping. I was lucky enough. I came in with background where I came in as an engineer and with. Uh, one college degree and three certificates of college. So, but when you're in school, you don't have background, you don't have knowledge and you can have an insight of where you'd like to work and then you have to keep pushing forward to do it. Right. Because otherwise you, they'll, you'll be turned where they want to use you. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work. It's, it's not given. Nothing is giving. You have to work for it. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes for uh, for anything, and especially with so many people that want to work for Disney, you have to sort of prove your worth to even get your foot in the door. Um, right. So, so it's great that you you know you sort of had this role in engineering, um, very closely tied to the Imagineers as well. Did you have a specific location that you were assigned to in the parks? Were you just, did you go to wherever they needed you? What were, you know, what was sort of your, your role in the engineering team? Well, let's put it one day, I drove 50 miles doing different projects in one day and never left property. Wow. So it, it's big. When yeah. You start, right, it, it's, it's big. I worked at the uh, state testing lab. I worked in uh, many of the hotels. I worked outside services. Um, and it, I go to the 
different places now that when I, as I go as a vacation, as a guest, um, I run into cast members. If you were still working there and you knew me from here, they see, I come on property and they see me and I had a situation, I was down there with 14 from the family and uh, I had a guest, a cast member run, run out, she's a beautiful little girl. She hugged me and kissed me on the cheek. And uh, my sister-in-law says, did you see that? <laughs> so my wife, Laura, she says, yeah. She says, she, he shouldn't be able to do that. And she says, I don't worry. Too many people know him and they know me. <laughs> but it's, I go, there's um, quite a few cast members are still working there. And when they see me, they just, guy, you're here. And, I, and I've had some, where have you been? I says, I don't work here anymore. But as Eve, the spirit is that I still work there. Right. Yeah. Basically, imagineering and imagination is um, dreams and faith, and you're never forgotten. Yeah, and I've they even it's sort of an expression that I've I've heard uh, that went around, which is like once a cast member, always a cast member. You sort of always have that spirit never really leaves you, which is really an amazing thing. And uh, obviously they can, you know, the cast members that you know definitely still treat you as a cast member when you go, which right. is which is wonderful. Uh, go ahead. And even, and even on my hat, I wear a combat hat. Yeah. It's my to courage. Um, I have my, I don't have awards from the military. I have my awards that I were given from Disney because those are things you can wear in your civilian clothes. You can't wear stripes on civilian clothes. Right, right. And I'll be checking in or I'll go to guest service and they'll, I'll, you're bending over naturally or bend, filling out and signing and, oh, cast excellence. I got one of those too. And I said, <laughs> good, that means there's two of us. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's amazing. No, I was going to say, um, it's, it's great to, that, uh, you won some awards as well while you were, while we were there. What, what were some of the, uh, so cast excellence, did you win any others while you were uh, at Disney? Yeah. Um, I won the spirit award, which oh, wow. is only given, it's only given to, as you know, 1% of the company yeah. per year. Um, uh, I got getting my hat, and on TV you can see Tower of Terror is on right now. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I play that re- repeatedly. It, it gives me a home from away from home. I love that. I do the same here in New York. It's a good way to feel like you're still there. So I have cast excellence. I have five-year Donald Pin, WDW. Well, uh, Imagineering official conscious that they awarded me for being having a conscious and seeing what I what I saw and turned it in, turned and have it corrected. And then I got W D. What would Walt do? W W D. What would Walt do in a situation? So I was given that pin. That's amazing. It's my, it's my spirit award, my dream award. Do you know what dream award means? I actually don't. That's one I haven't heard of before. 
Disney Resorts experience are magical. That's really cool. So what what are the conditions for getting that one? Um, guest service. You you you're constantly not creating guest services. The person comes up to you, the guest comes to you and needs help. Right. Because they're on, it's a different world. It's not like walking on the streets, which it's two different worlds. Um, and they don't know where, they don't know how. And what time is the three o'clock parade at? They'll ask you. Yeah. Um, and you say, well, you look at your watch and you say, well, it's shortly, we're coming up to three. <laughs> so, they, they have the answers and it's, it's, they're just in awe. They're in amazement. Yeah. And, and I've had people that would just go to Vegas and, oh, I only want Vegas. And I said, well, try Disney World once. I says, at Vegas, you might as well just send them your check. Yeah. At Disney, you enjoy your check. That's very true. Did you, um, did you have a favorite park when you worked there? Was there one that you, you found yourself going to the most? No, mine, well, it's a, it's a double-bladed question because mine was all the world. It's just one world to me. All right. the parks are just equal to one. Just depends on what day you feel like. Well, I'm going to go Animal Kingdom. Well, I'm tired here. I'll go over to Epcot. And when I was working and I'd get off if I was on a day shift and you got off at 4 o'clock, i go to Magic Kingdom and have dinner and look at the guests and just watch and see it and everything. I love that. I had, uh, you talk about awards. The one time I was, it was my day off. What are you going to do? You're down there alone, went to the Magic Kingdom, and as you walk past the circle where you were entered, an emporium's on your left. Yeah. And, and the balloon seller is always stationed. They cannot suggest selling balloons. They can just stand there and hold it. And um, a gentleman started yelling at his daughter, and I looked up, and a blue one floating away, and I said, oh, great. So um, he was yelling and cussing and yelling, and I said, I walked over to the balloon seller. I said, give me a balloon. I'm a cast member. I'll pay for it later. And so she gave me the balloon. I walked over, and I said, sir, I'm a cast member, but um, it's my day off. And I said, I'd like to have a magical day for your daughter. So can I give you a balloon? I'm giving it to you, and you give it to your daughter. Because she can't interact with children or anything. Right. And um, he says, well, uh, I told her, and I says, it's okay. Here, here's another balloon. But tell her to tie it on her wrist so she doesn't lose this one because she might not be able to get another one. So he did that. The girl looks up at me, and she's crying and tearing coming and calming down. And I stood up. And the father's tying the balloon there. And I looked over at the balloon seller, and there was three managers standing next to the balloon seller. And they're looking at me. I says, oh, gosh. <laughs> did I do something wrong? So all they did was they wait, motioned for me to come over. So I walk over there. And I and uh, told them what happened. Asked, wrote my name down and everything. And they said I did an outstanding job. And then the next day... My manager, um, supervisor, said, um, guys, Spagnoli, there's an envelope for you. 
they gave me six one-day passes for doing it. Wow. So it's like I didn't even do it to get it. They yeah. just gave it to me. And that's that's how that's what Disney is. You're trying to make it magical. I I love that. It's and it's easy to tell that you're the type of person who is a a true cast member at heart in that sense that you know we talk about legacy cast members and cast members who win the spirit award and you really exemplify Walt and the Disney spirit and the whole mission of creating happiness, um, which is part of what makes Disney such a special place. So give you a, a ton of credit and that's wonderful that you, you, you know, even on your days off, we're still creating magic for guests. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I know interests a lot of kids and even adults who are interested in maybe moving into Imagineering or working behind the scenes at Disney is getting to work on attractions and other backstage areas that guests don't normally uh, get the chance to see. Uh, you know, for you, what was uh, what were some of the attractions or parts of Walt Disney World that you got to see behind the scenes that was memorable or just things that you you loved to see uh, behind behind the curtain at Disney? Well, I basically, well, um, not just last June, June before, I took my wife on the backstage tour of Magic Kingdom. Yep. Which... If you can afford it, it's very expensive, but it's as close as you can get to where, what I saw and where I was. Um, when I was worked at the, um, they got all jobs, all classifications. When I worked at the uh, tree farm, which was the horticultural where they uh, do the topiaries and everything. Yeah. They had just, it was, it was June, so it was after the wine, flower, spring and flower special season. And they were disassembling all the topiaries. And so the girl is talking. There was, I want to say, 20 of us in the group. So I stayed in the back. And the reason being, because I'm going to tell my wife what it is over what the girl was saying. So at the end of uh, the one's area, she says, can anybody tell me what these things are on the, on the ground? And I says, hairpins. <laughs> she says, how did you know that? And what were they used for? I said, that holds the, the plants into the topiaries. They use little black hairpins. And they, when they pull it out, they just fall all over, and they sweep them up and throw them out. And um, my wife let it slip out. She says, used to work here. <laughs> so uh, then they, I said, do you still have the orchid room? And I was in charge of the humidity for the growing of the orchids. Wow. And it was a water, it was water cascading uh, system where the orchids were just on the walls and they were just pinned in. And then they take them out and they ship, root them, and then they, they were already root and put them in dirt and ship them out. And then she says, yeah, it's still there, but I can't take you there. And I says, yes, but I've been there. <laughs> and so uh, we're going, we go down into the tunnel, into Utilidor. 
and we're walking and I, I said to my wife I said that was our office and that was our meeting room that was this that was that <laughs> so we're walking and she stops at a a, a T where they have uh, the crosswords of what goes this way what is that way in the utilidor and um, she says you know what you should be given this tour and I says no because you're getting paid that's right <laughs> I do. Look, I've actually done that backstage tour. I think three times. Uh, the Keys to the Kingdom tour, and it's uh, a great way even to learn a lot more about even the onstage areas. But getting to see uh, backstage is is very cool as well. Oh yeah, you have the the Keys to the Kingdom pin. King, he's yeah. Kingdom. yeah. <laughs> People say, "What is that?" And I says, "You got to buy it." That's right. What do you mean? <laughs> it's the only way you're going to get it. You're going to pay. That's what they give you. They give you a lunch and a pin. <laughs> Nobody else can get the pin, so it's limited. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, that's awesome. I, I think it was, yeah, I remember as a cast member going through the Utilidors for the first time, and it was, you know, it was a similar, similar thing to you where I, you know, loved Disney before I even worked there and then always wanted to see the Utilidors and then getting to walk through there as a cast member was just a, a real magical moment um, and sort of this realization of a dream that, now being behind the scenes a little bit more um again the chance to see what a lot of guests most guests uh don't even know exists and that yeah. what helps to create the magic uh keep the magic alive um were there any uh major attractions that you got to see behind the scenes okay third shift going into space mountain with the lights on that is cool going to all the rides with the lights on going through Splash Mountain, going through Pirates of the Caribbean. And that was, it. when I walked um, on property on Main Street, I was there early, so, and you had to go down into, into the utilidors and check in, and uh, I walked in, and I'm standing at the, the circle again at um, the entrance, and I says, I'm on top of the world. <laughs> belongs to me <laughs> and I heard a voice some, one of the guys because the lights come on and there's spotlights all over the place it's just like daylight uh, in, in going down Main Street and I hear a voice there's another crazy one <laughs> but, uh, it's it's, it's um, magical because I see and touch what people just sit on and look at yeah and the road that goes by the in front of the contemporary that goes under the water bridge. Yes. There's uh, two main uh, discharge pumps there. One night when it was storming and flooding, I had I was stationed there all night to make sure those pumps kept running. Wow. So it's and then one time we had we go in there and um, Splash Mountain is shut down. I said the pumps out. And somebody in line says, how do you know? And my wife says, you work here. <laughs> so on the backstage tour, I showed her where the water pit is, where all the water that supplies all the water rights. Yeah. And I said, those are the pumps and everything. It's the reservoir and it pumps the water to keep the rides going. If one of those pumps go down, something's going to be turned off. And uh, she, she's, it, it was just endless. We go over to Epcot. We're underneath um, Lars with me. And I had worked in the Americas where the presidents are. Yeah. 
and we're down underneath and it's a gigantic sled which runs in reverse as the the sled is underneath the people and as it comes backwards the statues pop up and finally when it's all the way to the back it's over and um, I'm saying okay those are the the uh, slave centers that's the uh, chips that and they're still on the old board systems for computers that and the girl says what don't you know and I said okay what's that right there she says I don't know I said those are water filters (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it's even though I'm not working there I still remember every facet every area and it's um, what's known as product knowledge that you have to know what where when and why yeah. What's used, and um, it, it's they want people that can think, that can reverse engineer things, because it's easy to come into a room like this and see there's a chair over there. Right. Okay. Well, how how is that chair put together? How was it made? So then you can recreate it and change it to whatever they need for fabrication for different rides. And it's uh, it's just a marvelous place. And to work there is anybody that I've talked to and everybody is just once you've worked there, it's left an impression on you and it's a feeling that you have. That's totally true. Once a cast member, always a cast member. It just sticks with you. Right. Um, so now that you are... Uh, Going is going back again as a guest. Are there any attractions that are newer that you kind of wish you would be able to to go back on that third shift and and see with the lights on or get to learn a little bit more about how it works? Avatar, or the flight of passage. Yeah, yeah. Both of them. The boat ride and the flight of passage. And unfortunately, I'm I've been injured that. I got in for a flight for a flight of passage. They give you a mock-up of the car that you're or bike that you're going to be sitting on. Yeah. And with my leg brace, I can't bend my leg to get into the ride. Yeah. So I've got a little granddaughter who's four years old that's been on it four times already, and I I can't even get on it. But, uh, and that that's a drawback to be there and see it, and you can't go there. Yeah. Do you think there's any uh, any chance you might in the future? I don't know. I take I take life one day at a time. Yeah. It's like trips to Disney World now. Um, I called up, got a reservation, got flights, got I still had uh, uh, travel from Disney, so I got air free airfare going down there. Wow. And uh, I turned around and kidnapped my wife. Uh, we, her last day of school was Wednesday. She packed her suitcase. She didn't know. And our flight was at 7 o'clock. She got off at 3.30, and we went to the airport. And we flew. We were down there for a week. We were down there for seven days. And, and that's what you need is seven days. Yeah. Because your first, first day is arrival. Your last day is departure. So you got five full days, and you right. have four parts. But uh, it, it's... Um, as being a guest, it, it, it's a different kind of feeling, but 
when I look at it, I know how it works. I know what it was like. And I've been where very few have been. This is like I, I, I'm still trying to find a picture. I was there when they were building uh, Everest. And I was in with the Imagineers and with their hard hats, and they gave me a hard hat. I put it on, and I took a picture of it, and I'm still trying to find it because it's it was three years back. And like I said, we moved into this house. There's boxes in the basement that are just buried. I don't know where anything's at. But um, to be, even though I wasn't a part of it, they let me come backstage and look at it while it's, I crossed that barrier where the guests are on one side and I'm standing on the other side. That's, that's really cool. Everest happens to be one of the few attractions I did get to see behind the scenes, not when it was being built, of course, but I worked at Animal Kingdom at, uh, as a cast member at Kilimanjaro Safaris, yeah. And um, there was a day that um, my leader organized for a group of about 10, 15 of us to do a tour of the entire structure with a, I don't think it was an Imagineer, but it was a cast member. And right. it was a... Uh, literally a two hour tour. We, we walked through the queue. They talked about all the details. Um, then we got to go into the warehouse where they keep the trains overnight. Um, and then by far the best part was we walked backwards along the track, um, to that, uh, the last break section before unloading into the mountain that way. And then, you know, down these stairs underneath the track and through a door, and then you're in the middle of the structure and looking way up to the top. And that was so cool to see in person. Um, I can only imagine seeing it at other attractions too, but uh, yeah, Everest. And then we did get to walk to the top and um, walked up to the Yeti, you know, got up close and personal right there. Uh, and then we're the first uh, ride of the day with, with, uh, with people <laughs> before it opened to yeah. guests for the day. So that was uh I could only imagine doing that every day, but uh, it was ex- incredible to even experience it once. Okay, I got a question for you. Sure. Why does the Yeti not move? Well, he's uh, didn't he cause some sort of structural damage or threaten to? Right. Yeah. It collapsed the whole mountain. Yeah. <laughs> His weight was so offset and off-centered that when he would swing out, he was moving the framework. That's so unbelievable. No, he can't do that. So as an engineer, um, how hard do you think it would be to fix that? Because I know that's a a debated topic. Um, They'd have to calculate the motion with the distance with his weight. When it swings out, what's the counterweight? The counterweight going the other direction. Right. If they can't reframe it or boost the I-beams that are in there, it's going to be the way it is. Yeah. Because every motion, there's a reaction. Right. Yeah, I even, I thought it was cool to learn that even the, you know, obviously, of course, I think a lot of people know that the structures are sort of built independently of each other, the mountain separate from the from the coaster, separate from the Yeti. Um, right. But how there's this, uh, you know, between the mountain structure and the beams of the coaster, there has to be a, a, at least a few inches of space because the supports will sway 
when the coaster's in motion and sort of that kinetic energy, so they don't want it to to rub it's against the, the energy that's there that they have to try and correct. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have room, they don't have much room to work with now because it's already built. Right. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge. I know it's. Uh, I'm very sympathetic to the work that has to be done, <laughs> but uh, I know people are like, you know, they're hoping that one day, one day it might uh, might get fixed. So. But they they got other uh, big projects like the Sphere that they're going to work on next, and there too many. There's they have many rides that they're building all at once. Yeah. Right now, this, this last four years has been their biggest building boom that they've had down there. And Disney's putting money back into the to the attractions. Right. Yeah. It's like uh, I'm going to switch it to another park, Magic Kingdom, um, the monorail. Now, if you've seen my pictures, I'm there with Bob Gurr. If you know who Bob Gurr is, yeah, he's the last living Imagineer that worked with um, Walt Disney, right? When he was young, and he designed any vehicle that had wheels on it. He designed everything. And when I was, I had dinner with him. I, I, I mentioned that um, I was in charge and had to repair the air conditioning that for the, the garage for the monorails. And he said, that was our biggest headache. And I says, all you need is fans to blow the heat through. Because you cannot possibly take the humidity out. And you just got to keep it moving. He says, they don't have that there. And I says, well, tell them. You're the boss. <laughs> but uh, I, I told him where I was doing and everything. And he says, well, why did you leave? I says, I didn't ever leave a job willingly. I said, do you remember years ago they had Black Monday? This is before, I, how old are you now? I well, am 30. How old, <laughs> no, let's go. How old were you in 94? In 94, I was six. Okay, in six. You you wouldn't even know it. Um, it was called Black Monday because of um, what was happening, like Chicago with the tourists down in, in Kissimmee and Orlando. They were being robbed. Um the one day over the weekend, there was a Sunday, there was only 100 guests in Epcot the whole day. Wow. The whole day. That's and insane. You, got, you could have 20,000 workers there. Yeah. And so then Monday, they came through with the red line, and I was off Sunday, Monday, and uh, come in Tuesday morning, and they said, did you hear what happened? I said, no. And they said, when was your hire date? And I said, there. And he says, do you see this red line? And I says, yeah. And he says, we have to let go of everybody that was hired. Wow. That line. Wow. So they, they laid off thousands. And then, and then from then on, it, it, they turned around with the, because the state gave them protect, protection for tourism. And um, that's when they started putting sidewalks in. If you remember Kissimmee, well, you, you're new there. There used to be no sidewalks and people would be walking on the street. Hmm. And roadways, so they're right next to the road. So now there's sidewalks and parking lots and everything. So everything around there has built up, including Disney has gotten bigger and bigger, and now they got new roads going into it. Yep. And I said, um, I stopped at the main gate and I asked the security, I says, when are they going to be done with this roadway? I says, they took out the speedway and they put a road through it. And he says, well, it's supposed to help move traffic better. 
<laughs> I says, all it's going to do is bring more traffic in. <laughs> but that, that's, but Bob Gurr, he was, he's a wonderful guy, and I, I communicate with him every once in a while, and he'll, he'll ask me how I'm going and if I'm going to be down. He's been hanging out in um, Disneyland and doing a lot of things out there. Yeah. And I says, let me know when you go to Florida. Have you uh, have you made a trip out to Disneyland anytime recently? I was there at the Oscars last year, and I was there at the Oscars the year before because I go and do interview with actors and actresses and producers and directors. Wow! So uh, you didn't know that? I didn't. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I I was even sent something that's um, very shiny and tall. It came from. Ohio, Steubenville, Ohio, where there's a lot of movies and everything and history going on. And a person said, with all your history that you have and what I've gone through and where I'm at, we're going to give you this award. And it was not awarded like you would have it at the Oscars, but they said, here, this is your, this is what we're going to give you. And that's put away in a box and I'll send you a picture of it. Yes, I please. A, um, but anyways, um, it's, uh, I lost my train of thought. I, uh, my mind just think, wow, it's like, I'm honored. But I was, uh, I do filming. I graduated from Columbia College, Disney. I left Disney in 07 because of my wife. She had heart problems. So I'm forever here. And Disney says, Families first. You want to come back? You can come back at any time. And I says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to ever. I says, I'll come back as a guest. We'll come back when you're here. Stop in. So uh, I turn around, and um, in 10, um, the, military, the VA says, well, you never got schooling. I says, okay. Uh, we want you to go for your engineering degree. I says, now... I'm at the end, and now you want to give me the degree <laughs> to go backwards where I've already been there. <laughs> and uh, so they, I said, well, they want professors, all my school teachers, and, and that to give references to go to Columbia. So I'm in the office, and 14, a 24-year-old girl uh, says, um, I said, well, how about employers? Well, I left Disney in 07. This is now 10. So I still have the person's phone number on my speed dial on my phone for Walt Disney World. There's a vice president there. And um, I said, I've never asked for a favor. Can you speak to this girl? I'm going to get enrolled in school, but I need references. So I handed her the phone across the desk, and they're talking back and forth. And she pulls the phone away from her head. And she's pointing at the phone like, I'm talking, I'm talking. <laughs> I said, you want a reference. So that was on Friday. And Monday morning, 8 o'clock, says, oh, you're enrolled. You start school tomorrow. Wow. And it's like my whole life is like that. And um, I completed four years and three. So they even That's had impressive. a Disney internship. But when I went to apply for the internship, well, you've already worked at Disney. So it's, it's, everything is reversed. Yeah. So, I've been there. so how are you going to give me credit for working there if I've already worked there? 
but just completed in three years and um, um, graduating, walked across the stage, Chicago Theater, to renowned histor historical theater here for Chicago. I'm on a stage and the professor stands up and says, Mr. Spagnoli, you're old. Who's going to hire you? And I turned to the audience and I said, all you kids. And I said, did anybody hear what she just said to me? That's crazy. And said, yes. And they said, where are you going to go? And I said, I'm going to the Oscars. And that was in May. And in February, I was at the Oscars. Wow. So I've been there four years. This would be my fifth year, but I don't know I'm physically going to be able to and afford to go out there and do it. Yeah. Because everything is on my own. And it costs a lot of money, but I've met tons of actors. You're on Face page, you can look me up, or it's on Instagram. You can see actors, 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 and I'm there and I interviewed them all. So, but um, that's the magic I've created of myself with the help of Disney. That's amazing. I guess for any, so for any, uh, Anybody who's especially younger, so in high school or even I've had kids in middle school message me with questions about working for Disney, becoming an Imagineer, and then kids right. in college too. What advice would you give to any any kids listening who are dreaming of becoming Imagineers or just working for Disney for ways that they can make that dream a reality? Um, it takes a lot of hard work. And you got to get your face and your name, and you got to send it out. And at uh, Team Disney, you know that building very well with their yeah. ramp. Yeah, I do. When you're, when you're walking up the bottom of the ramp, and you look up, and you say, that's such a long way. <laughs> and then when you get at the top, it's a whole, you turn around. And that long walk up that ramp doesn't seem that long. It's like, I made it. I'm here. Um, they, they need to... Um, get resumes well the problem is they don't have any experience and you have to have outstanding grades if you want animation if you want arts well it's basically the arts Yeah, you have to be outstanding in it because and some people have been lucky they've started as uh, food service or changing oil on the buses or, or a bus driver then they got to get seen by Disney and moved up through the ranks. Right. And you have to, they're always watching you. They're always looking for talent. And if you can show them something else other than what you have and what you can do, they might get interested. But it's persistence and knowledge and um, you just have to keep after it. If that's what you really want, uh, there's what seventy thousand workers now. Yeah, I think when there's. I was there, I think when I was there, it was only fifty thousand. <laughs> now it's seventy. So, it's a city on its own. That's right. Working every. But uh, they, it's you got to keep moving forward, like Walt says, like I always say, and you have to be good, and you can't have a police record. You have to be good. And you have to be a dreamer because that's what they mainly want. This work on my head, I got Tomorrowland pins. I was sent the uh, pins from California by a cast member out there that I know. And they sent, he sent me, he says, you're a dreamer, so I'm sending you these pins. And I says, why? 
he says, I want you to forward them. So I've gone to, been at different events in different areas, um, and I've given the pins away. And I have a series of questions. Um, I was on a plane coming back last time, last June, and um, a jet. And the uh, it was little uh, Down syndrome who was 21, going. We were going to Disneyland. We weren't going to court versus it was, yeah, we were going down to Disney World. It was a birthday. So the flight attendant had everybody sing happy birthday and everything. And I'm sitting there. My wife nudges me. And I, I turn to her mother and I says, I know I'm a stranger. I shouldn't talk. But I says, nobody's given her a, Christmas, a birthday present. She says, that's okay. We're going to Disney World. And she was the sweetest little girl. So I took my hat, took the pin off, and I said, here's a Tomorrowland pin. pin. Is she a dreamer? She says, yes. I says, does she do anything with the arts or talent? And she says, she likes to draw. And I says, here, she's a dreamer. Here's a Tomorrowland pin. And that made her whole day. And I says, now you don't give that away. That's a gift because there's going to be people that want to trade that off and get that. She did. And so then I got a letter back from a big thank you letter and what happened and everything but that's just me it's just Disney it's uh, I, I love the stories I love how like you said it is uh, you know that's sort of the recurring theme as we've been talking just that that Disney magic sticking staying with you um, and you paying it forward and, and giving just ordinary guests and people creating happiness know. Yeah, complete strangers. That is, um, and creating happiness for them. That is absolutely the magic of Disney. And it's, Walt said it takes people. And I think you're a perfect example of how people do create the magic and, and create the happiness. Even if you're not a cast member, it's something that, uh, if you've worked for Disney, sticks with you. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's great to hear from you all of the, the experiences you've had. And then, even more recently, how you've kept that magic alive. So, um, Guy, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I thank you so much for uh, for chatting with me. It was great to learn a little bit more about you and your background and the experiences you have working at Disney and then how you still, again, create that magic and happiness today. So thank you so much for uh, for coming on to the Imagine Your Podcast and uh, and giving some advice and uh, some some memories uh, and stories for uh, for those listening. Okay, and with this, I thank you for asking, and I'll give you the knowledge or whatever I have, and maybe someday you're going down there, maybe we can meet up and take a tour someplace. I think that'd be great. I will, um, yeah, I'm actually going to be down there. I don't know when you're going to be down there, but I'll be down there uh, February, hopefully next September. Um, yeah, I try to go as often as I can, so. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, of course, Let's keep talk. in touch. <laughs> Thanks so much, Guy. <laughs> You're very welcome. Right, bye-bye. Bye.
And with that, we close out episode 31 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to give a very special thanks to Guy. I know you're out there listening. Thank you so, so much for coming onto the show, talking with me a little bit about some of your experiences working for Disney and sharing some of your insights and advice for ways that those who are interested in working for the Walt Disney Company can one day make that dream a reality. And especially for anyone out there who's listening who one day dreams of becoming an Imagineer, I hope you found this interview to be incredibly inspirational and gives you a good sense of really what it takes to work for the Walt Disney Company and what it really means to be an Imagineer and a cast member for Disney. I think, you know, as we said earlier in this podcast episode, Walt always said that it takes people to make that dream a reality. And I do believe strongly that Guy is the perfect example of what Walt Disney meant. I know all of you listening out there probably feel exactly the same way. So again, Guy, thank you so, so much for coming on to the show. But I'd like to turn it over to you, the listener out there who's listening to this episode and to this interview. Want to know if you have any other questions for Guy about ways that you can make your dreams become a reality to work for the Walt Disney Company, to work for Walt Disney Imagineering. And if you have worked for the Walt Disney Company, I am especially interested in getting your thoughts on everything that Guy has spoken about in today's episode about what it means to be a cast member and what it takes to work for the Walt Disney Company. You can send me your feedback, as always, in many different ways. You can either send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com, or you can send me a direct message on any of our social media channels, which include Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us at Imagineer Podcast. You can also join our Facebook group, which is the Imagineer Podcast Disney fan community. There are some great conversations starting there about some of our previous podcast episodes, and I look forward to conversing with you about this particular episode and interview with Guy Spagnoli. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Imagineer Audio. So I'd encourage you to follow us on all those social media channels and be sure to leave your thoughts and opinions or send me an email to let me know if you have any other questions or thoughts about this particular episode or any other episode of this show. If you don't already subscribe to the Imagineer podcast, I would, as always, encourage you to do so so that you are the first to know when a new episode becomes available, including some potential bonus episodes that I may uh, throw into the mix here and there. So you can subscribe to us in iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. There are so many places that you can uh, subscribe to us. And if you haven't done so already, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review in the iTunes store. 
I want to give a special shout out to a couple of new reviews that came in. One is from S Marcus TV, who says one of the best, pleasant and informative. This is one of the best Disney centric podcasts out there. Subscribe to get your Disney fix and enjoy. Thank you so much, S Marcus TV. And I also want to give a special shout out to Detour to Neverland, which is an incredible podcast on its own. I was actually a guest on the Detour to Neverland podcast recently. So if you want to learn a little bit more about my backstory, be sure to head over there. Um, but uh, Brendan from Detour to Neverland says, great podcast, even better host. Thank you so much, Brendan. Uh, he says, the Imagineer podcast has so much depth to it. By that, I mean you can tell the hard work and research that Matthew puts into every single show. The listening experience combines entertainment and learning about all things Disney. Brilliant show, expertly executed. Brendan, that means so much, uh, especially coming from another Disney podcaster. So thank you so much for leaving your thoughts. And any of you out there who have not yet reviewed the show, again, I would encourage you, to do so, to leave your thoughts about the Imagineer podcast, I'd be happy to read them on a future episode of the show. So you can head over to iTunes and lead us, leave us a rating and review there. It certainly does a lot for us to help us to grow our podcast. And what helps even more is you sharing out the podcast. I want to thank those of you who have shared out the podcast through Instagram stories, through Facebook, by sharing a link out on Twitter, and even just by talking to your friends, either texting them or sending them a message directly to let them know that this show exists. Uh, if you have any Disney friends or family who love all things Disney, I would encourage you to uh, please share out the show. It does so much to help us to grow our podcast. And as always, if there's anything that I can do to help make this community a better place to make this show even better for you, something that you want to hear. If there are any topics you'd like to hear in a future episode of this show, you can send me your feedback, send me a direct message, either email me at imagineyourpodcast at gmail.com or send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. I would certainly be happy to do anything I can to make this community an even better place for you, the Disney fan, uh, to feel that Disney magic no matter where you are. And as always, I'd like to remind you that it is never too late to make your dreams come true. I hope that this interview with Guy inspires you to make your dreams become a reality, especially if you want to work for Disney, that just to know that if you work hard, if you put your heart into it and do everything you can to make your dreams a reality, they really can come true. So as Guy said, keep moving forward. And as I like to close out every podcast episode, remember that quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. And we'll see you in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. exhibits that features the audio animatronics is the Carousel Theater of Progress. Well, how do you do? <laughs> this is the Carousel Theater of Progress. In Act One, the audience meets an audio animatronic family. The time is just before the turn of the century. Father, the host, tells the joys of living in the pre-electric era. Next, our audience moves to Act Two and the 1920s. Now the family has all kinds of new contraptions to make life more enjoyable, including a crystal radio. 
Then our audience moves to the fabulous 40s, the beginning of the electronic era and the age of television. The last act of the Carousel Theater shows the wonderful family life of today with its leisurely push-button living. 